subscribe. Pressbox Banter is the Daily Iowans weekly sports podcast. Each episode, we will talk about news from athletics, host a special guest, and talk predictions for upcoming games. This week's edition features John Leo, the radio voice of the Hawkeye baseball program. It was recorded on Tuesday, December 5th. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Press Box Banter. I'm Kenna, the sports editor. And I'm Matt, the pregame editor. And Colin, the assistant sports editor. Uh, first, we're just going to rehash the Big Ten championship game. Iowa lost 26-0 against Michigan, um, who is now ranked number one and in the college football playoff. Um, there's really not much to take away from this game except the fact that uh, Iowa's defense is championship level and they deserve a Big Ten title and they need to figure out the offense even with a bad offense um, Iowa would have had a chance uh, to win that game but it's it's way worse than bad yeah I was Covering that game along with uh, Cooper, you know, halftime ten nothing, same as was with Penn State, and end result pretty similar. Uh, shut out by three touchdowns. Um, yeah, I mean, they could have been a closer game. I think best case scenario would have been a twelve to three Michigan victory, but I just don't see the offense scoring more than three points against Michigan. Even if you know if Nick Jackson catches that pick. Um, if they manage to force a fumble, but it's it's tough asking a defense, hey, create turnovers against a team who fum- who's lost two fumbles all year. Like that's unfair to ask. How about you just ask the offense? No, get in the red zone. The defense literally did everything they could. I mean, Michigan's two touchdown drives were combined eleven yards. Um, the first drive of the game when Michigan, uh, well, Michigan's first drive of the game. I mean, they came down and got a field goal, but. After that, Iowa defense really settled in. They held Michigan to 213 yards, well below Michigan's season average, which is like 390, something like that. Um, 3.3 yards per play, that's the lowest a Michigan team has been held to in the Jim Harbaugh era. He's been there nine years. Um, Blake Corum was, I mean, he had two touchdowns, but uh, again, he didn't have to go far for them. They they were on the goal line. other than that, he was really non-existent. And um, J.J. McCarthy, he's known, you know, he's a running threat too. And he had like negative 35 yards. It was really just turnovers that really killed the Hawks. And then that one play on special teams, they had, I forget how long the return was, 80-some yards. 87, I think. 87 yards. Um, I guess, oh, I mean, that's just uncharacteristic um, of Iowa, but one one thing about that play is Cohen Entringer was getting a lot of attention for it. Um, he ran the whole length of the field to tackle the guy after he 
miss the tackle. But um, I don't know. That's That just shows, like, effort. And, yeah, I've just seen a lot of, like, people say, like, I showed my kids this video, and this is how everyone should play. Yeah, that's some Iowa culture right there, you know? You look like an idiot once, and then you make up for it a few plays later. You know, that's... <laughs> That's Iowa. Um, but, yeah, props to Colin for doing that. Um, young guy might get his way, work his way into more playing time soon. But, you know, on special teams, that's how you make a name for yourself, making a play like that. Um, but going back to the offense, just in a game where many thought that, like, hey, Brian Ferentz would finally open up the playbook, you know, write a few extra plays, some, some creativity, you know, a halfback pass, you know, an option, something like that. But, no, it was the same old, same old tight end screen, five curl routes on third down. It's You would think they would try something. They had nothing to lose, and yet it didn't feel like it at all. Yeah, they didn't throw one deep ball. Um, I mean, I was sitting in the stands, and I could, uh, honestly, I could, I literally predicted every single play when I was up in the stands. Like, they're just so predictable. It's, um... That game showed, I mean, why Brian Ferentz is gone. Um, Deacon Hill is also bad. Um, I mean, but they don't really have, what are you going to do there? I mean, Joe Lavis, he entered the transfer portal today. So, I mean, I don't know. A lot of people thought he should get a chance, but it'll just be Deacon and a true freshman um, at, at in the bowl game. Um, and honestly... Maybe you should just try out the true freshman and just see what he can do. Man, but you know, with Kate, they're not going back, to do they're that. They're not going to. I mean, with, it's still somewhat an important game, trying to get eleven wins, I guess. But at the same time, Kate's coming back, getting a look to see what. Essentially, starting Marco would mean, hey, who's going to be our number two quarterback next year? Like, okay, like, but then again, it's still only one game. Like Joe Labus started the last bowl game, it was pretty good. Right. For Iowa standards, he wasn't bad, but he never played again. So even if Marco does start. And has a decent performance, it might not even matter. Right. And in past years, this, like, month of bull prep has been super big for um, Iowa players, especially on the defense, like, young people like Xavier Wampa. He, like, emerged in the bull game last year. Castro had one of his best games. And um, so I think throughout, like, this next month, this extra practice will really help a lot of the young guys. And I like um, one one example Kirk gave on his like when he did his interview for the after the bowl game was announced was talking about um, Ben Keeter getting some playing time at linebacker instead of Jay. Um, I mean, I I can see Cohen Entringer even getting some playing time in the secondary. Um, but it's just and for guys like Deshaun Lee who have been have started a couple times this year, but it's just like very much needed extra month of practice. But yeah, I know that going back to the Big Ten Championship game, being shut out again by a top 10 team, it just shows that Iowa does not have, it can have the best defense in the country and it will never beat a good team. It's it's never going to beat Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. So it means that essentially means they're not going to win the Big Ten. Even you could have, They could have the best defense in the country. If they have an offense like that, it's just not going to work. But, I mean, the more concerning part, I don't know, just I was there for Kirk's press conference after the game in Indy, and, I mean, obviously he was upset with the result, but it just seemed kind of concerning. He was like, well, the def- 
Michigan's defense is good. We don't match up well. Well, yeah, that's true, but you're going to blame it all on the Michigan defense? Like, no. You don't match up well with anyone ever because you don't do anything good. Yeah, Michigan, Michigan's only shut out two other opponents besides Iowa. No, Michigan and Penn State have only shut out two opponents this season besides Iowa, and those are Michigan State and UMass. So, I mean, Iowa doesn't want to be at that level, but they can't just accept that defenses are better than them. Like, something needs to change. And even blaming injuries, too. Like, you can't take credit for playing without injuries and then say when you lose, oh, yeah, it would be nice to have those people back. Like, you can't have it both ways. Right. I mean, of course it would, but also they preach next man in all the time, and those guys have to be ready. So there's really no excuses. And I've literally never seen, like, a team be so opposite on either side of the football. Like, And I heard a Michigan fan actually standing behind me say this, like, Iowa's defense is so good and their offense is so bad. Like, I've never seen anything like it. And it's, it's like, actually crazy. There's, like, been – I mean, in my lifetime – I don't know. I've just never seen a team like this year's Iowa team before. I mean, last the past couple of years, the offense has been bad, but this year especially was just crazy. You kind of got to start to question, is this uh, where you kind of get on the horse and ride off into the sunset, or what do you do? You know what I'm saying? Are we at that point where it's time to usher in a new era of Iowa football? I mean, yeah, you go for 11 wins, but... How sustainable is that going to be with four, three, arguably four powerhouse college football teams coming into well, I mean, the Big Kirk's Ten next year? He's, Kirk Ferentz is only the problem if he doesn't choose to change. If he, does, if he, if he like, just hires someone from internally for the offensive coordinator and just sits back and says, hey, we're going to run it back, new players, it'll work this time. Like, that's not going to work. He has to realize that and you know, reach out to borrow borrow from other schemes. He can't. The Iowa way, the, the time, in the year 2024, the Iowa way is not going to work. The year 2025, it's not going to work. As it, It's not going to suddenly shift back to run the ball every time, play good defense. College football will never head back in that direction. You know? My it's, roommate gave me a quote yesterday. Uh, what were you going to say something else? No, go ahead. Okay. That's a quote. My uh, roommate yeah. gave me a quote uh, yesterday that was, Live with it or die about it. I think that that embodies a lot of things. I think that can embody Iowa as well. You can live with being, uh, you can live with being uh, whatever ten win team, sure, yeah. but uh, dip down slowly and gradually if that's kind of the trajectory they're on, or you can go out and take a risk and you know what I'm saying. Take out, take a risk. Go, go shoot for someone who's. Go shoot for a bunch of guys in the transfer portal. Shoot for an out-of-house offensive coordinator. Change your plan of attack. Sit down and have a serious conversation about where the offense is at and roll with the changes, you know what I'm saying? Not just sit here and say, yeah, I mean, well, stay stagnant, you know? Yeah, the transition might not be, you know, immediate. It's not going to produce instant results, but eventually I think it'll pay off, you yeah. know? I mean, well, ironically, you know, the last time Iowa played Tennessee was in the 2014 bowl game, or 20, it was the year 2015, but that following the 2014 season, Iowa, they finished the season 7-5 and five to go up against a 500 Tennessee team, young team. The Tennessee team hadn't won a bowl game since 2008, 
and they got smoked by the Volunteers. So it was 45 to 28, I think. Mm-hmm. At one point, they were down like 42 to 7 heading into the fourth quarter. Yeah, I was going to say they scored 21 points in the fourth quarter. It's not uh, I'm not sitting here and saying that there's a need to rebuild the program. Like, you don't need to wipe wipe the clean house and, and start fresh. But you do finally reach a point now where you sit down and you genuinely have a conversation with everyone in the program and you say, we're right there pushing up. Like, we're, we're knocking on doors. Like, how do we get inside to be the best of the best? You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, you're, you're, well, if you're a Beth Gads or you're, if, if you're, you know, any the future athletic director, um, what if, you know, you go knocking on those doors and they're like, hey, hey, we don't want to change. Is that you're going to pull the power move and say, hey, you're gone? Like, What do you mean? Like insubordination? Let's say if, let's say if, no, let's, let's say if Kirk says, like, hey, we're going to run it back. I think. What do you do as an athletic director, Ben? If Kirk says we run it back, yeah. I think as athletic director, you got to sit Kirk down and say, run back the positives and don't run back what's not working. You fix what's broken. You don't fix what's not broken. Anyone with half a brain would agree with that. It's not, and I I think Kirk's smart enough of a human being to sit down and say, our offense was not that good this year. If we want to continue to compete with the best of the best and win hardware, we need to change what is broken. That's what they should have done. And, and they did it. They tried to do it over the off season. I think they were relying on Cade and Eric coming in to change things. Yeah. I think it's got to be a little more systemic than it is wiping your players and bringing in new ones. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, going back to 2014, that following year, Iowa goes undefeated. You know, so, and they did, I don't think they made any major changes. I mean, obviously, well, Josie Jewell came in at linebacker, so that, that helped. Um, but what was he, a freshman? What do you mean? He, uh, he came was in? A, no, well, he... Like it was, first it was like his first full season, I okay. think. Yeah. Okay. And he had like a hundred something tackles. Yeah, he was good. So, and yeah. CJ Beathard, obviously, great, great year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think cleaning house is the best thing either. I think it's definitely like a scheme, systematic type thing that Kirk Ferentz just needs to. He needs to let go of his old ways that he's been holding on to for twenty plus years and get with the times. The but also, like, dead. we saw. Um, how that worked out for Colorado when they literally got rid of everyone and mm-hmm. their season did not turn out too well. Well, that's different. That was were, more. The, I think it was more the problem of the defense too. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Iowa's defense is going to change. Like it, changing the offense isn't going to change the defense. Like it's not. Those two things are mutually right. exclusive. They fans can't be worried about that. You know, Phil Parker's like, "Hey, what are we doing to the offense?" No, he's going to be like, "Okay, fine. Nice to have some help." You know, like. Um, the Colorado issue was everyone was like riding the high of Deion Sanders, and it was like almost like hallucination. It was like a, mm. oblivion. You know what I'm saying? We're not over here sitting in oblivion. Yeah. We're all looking at the facts and saying the offense just wasn't good this year. And to yeah. compete with four teams coming in who are one of them's in the playoffs, another one has almost made the playoffs. And another one was in contention early on, and the last one has a history of being a good team. It's only going to get harder from here forward. And you got to bank on a Big Ten team, a historic Big Ten team, giving you a hard time. Like you can't just sit here and say, "Yeah, you know, we're going to run the ball and run a play action pass, and then mm. go three and out and punt the ball I and hope our defense does it." It's just it's not sustainable. The game changes. Yeah. yeah. Every sport changes. You know, that's what we're at today. 
Well, it's changed the game. I think mobile quarterbacks have become more and more important. Look at the playoff teams. I mean, yes, 100%. Yeah, you know, I mean, top teams, they have a quarterback who can run. And once Deacon Hill hits a, a crazy cut this offseason, and if Cade's knee, Cade can, both yeah. legs somehow are back to 100%, like Iowa might not have that mobile quarterback, and that still might hinder them. And the bigger, the bigger issue is the worse the offense performs right now, the, the worse it's going to perform in the future because you don't recruit top-notch players to mm-hmm. play in that system. That's, that's what also, you also have to be thinking. Everything you see, everything you show right now, people are watching and like taking notes of before they decide to commit to Iowa. Yeah. yeah, so speaking of that, the transfer portal, how hard is it going to be to get offensive players to come to Iowa? I mean... They know Brian's going to be gone, but I don't know how long Kirk is going to wait to find a new offensive coordinator. And, I mean, if they wait till after the bowl game, I don't know. They just could miss out on some big guys. But uh, we've had Spencer Petrus. He, I mean, he was in. He committed to Utah State. We knew he wasn't going to play anyway. Um, then Joe Labus, he entered the transfer portal, and wide receiver Deontay Vines. So those are the three offensive players so far that have entered the portal, which I wouldn't say any of them are huge losses, but um, definitely got to find some people. I don't, I don't know if there's a big need to pull people from the transfer portal. I think Cade, I think you have your quarterback. Yeah. You need to develop him into your quarterback. I think you have Sean Williams, Caleb uh, Johnson at running back. Seth Anderson has potential. We saw that. Yeah. Uh, Caleb Brown has twice as much potential. We saw that. Eric All is an NFL tight end. Okay. Um, linemen, maybe? Do you need linemen out of the portal? I think it also just depends who declares for the draft and who comes True. back or not. Because, like, I don't know. I mean, if Lachey decides to go to the draft, I mean, there's a stringa, but I don't know. Um, yeah, that's a big need to be you know a receiver who's over six feet tall. I mean, I'm sorry, True. but you, did, you know you need a Megatron. Yeah, like Seth Anderson. <laughs> I mean, he's a little bit undersized. Kale Brown, a little bit undersized as well. I mean, great. They're good in good in the slot. They can go be in the backfield. They're vertical threats. But I just just want a guy who's able to you know go up for a jump ball and catch it. You know. Yeah. And I think if they can add that in the transfer portal, I think Kale Brown will be a big piece in that because you no, know, he was a guy who went from a top tier program like Ohio State. You know, he mm-hmm. found success at Iowa. I mean, it took a while, but he could be an important. Yes. He could be part of that recruiting pitch. I think the thing about Iowa is, Iowa doesn't pick up any five star recruits. Yeah. Everything is developed from day one. Mm-hmm. So I think the question isn't, can Seth Anderson step onto a football field day one and be Marvin Harrison? It's do we have the right people in place who can turn Seth Anderson into an NFL quality receiver? You know what I'm saying? It's about the development because everyone on the defense is really good. How many of them are five-star recruits? Yeah. How many of them are getting Alabama-Georgia offers? You know what I'm saying? Not many, right? But they're all developed to be that good. Cooper DeGene, very little known, one of the best cornerbacks in the nation now mm-hmm. because he was developed when he was here. He had potential and he was developed when he's here. That needs to happen on the other side of the ball. Yeah, I agree, and... That's the thing with Iowa. They're different than a lot of other programs. I mean, they want to develop you, but, like, if you 
expect to come in and play right away. Like, you are not at the right place. You have to be patient. Like, Jay Higgins is just one example. Sebastian Castro. Yeah, I mean, they all, there's, I mean, Kirk talks about it a lot, but it's the people. Um, You have to be okay with, like, waiting. Like, Caleb Brown, people thought when he wasn't on the depth chart that one week or whatever that he was going to transfer, stuff like that. But he got a lot of touches toward the end of the season. And, yeah, I just don't. I mean, people have to understand that they might not play right away, but at the end of the day, like, Iowa develops players like nobody else, I think. I just think the transfer portal makes it so easy for people to bail out. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a freshman in high school and you want to play varsity basketball, you're not just going to get it handed to you. You know, you always have to work for something. You have to patiently wait, and you have to work for something. And a lot of these guys kind of come in with some of these hotter heads, thinking like, "Okay, I'm a Division One player. I think I'm going to get this tick right off the bat." That's not how it works because there's always a bigger fish. Um, and I just think the transfer portal magnifies that. Yeah, and there was like a record number that entered on the first day. It was like over 500, which Kyle is McCord. yeah, which is just insane because a lot of those guys. The grass is not always greener, and a lot of those guys aren't, I mean, aren't even going to be picked up probably. So Dylan Gabriel. Kyle McCord is. Uh, McCord wants somewhat makes sense because he knew. But he's throwing for, uh, he had a couple of 300-yard games, multi-touchdown well, Ohio games. Ohio State's going to get another quarterback who might just replace him. Because uh, they, they, Ohio, Ohio State, State won't have the issue. I'm just saying McCord. You mean he was going to be replaced next year either way? Yeah, which is, I mean, it makes sense for him to leave. Okay. I'm more I'm more surprised that Oklahoma quarterback Dylan Gabriel decided to leave. You know, it's not like he his job was in jeopardy. You know, I mean Oklahoma is a good team, going to go to the SEC, play some better teams, and now he might. Well, rumor has it he's going to go to Oregon, replace Bo Nix, play in the Big Ten. Um, he'd be one of the best Big Ten quarterbacks now, yeah. going over there. Um, but yeah. his that move doesn't. I don't know. It just feels sort of like, I don't want to say KD Warriors, but I don't know. I don't I don't disagree with that. Yeah. To Oregon, like, I don't disagree with that. It, it, it does feel like free agency now, you know? I feel like yeah. any year you can just go. It's, it's, it's I weird. Think, I think the transfer portal has been a blessing and a curse and a lot of, a, lot, a bit more of a curse. I think it's such a cop-out. I don't know. People definitely, I think, take advantage of it, and then they go in, and they don't end up anywhere. And and then what are you doing? You're playing D2 football? What right. Are you, what are you doing? Um, One portal uh, entry I was surprised by was Ontario Thompson for Iowa. Uh, defensive lineman, he had two blocked punts this year, but I really thought um, he was going to have a lot bigger role next season. Um, and usually at Iowa, guys start off on special teams and work their way up, and he was just one of those guys, and he's from Dubuque, so it's not like he was far from home. So, I mean, obviously, I don't know the reason behind it, but that was just one player where I thought could make a big impact, and I don't know what happened. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe the coaches told him something or gave him an outlook of the future because, I mean, he was bound to at least get a crack in the rotation. 
You know, obviously yeah. Iowa still has some talent in the interior with uh, Aaron Graves, Y.A. Black, Deontay Craig, all returning. <sighs> Maybe he just wanted to guarantee he'd play somewhere else, you know? But, I mean, and those would probably be sophomore? smaller. Uh, he's going to be a junior next year. Right, yeah. So, I mean... So what does he have, three years of eligibility left? I think so. I mean, he, this is the transfer I was most surprised at. Yeah, I, he was the transfer I was most surprised by. So you wait, you wait out one more year, you get a couple of cracks as a junior, then you take a senior and a fifth year, and you're yeah. a starter on one of the best def- defenses in the nation yeah. that produces NFL players. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not... I'm not in his head. I'm not. I don't live with him. I don't know him personally. It's just when you view it from an outside observation, it just it's interesting. And yeah, maybe you know something we don't. But I mean, either way, best of luck to him. It'll be know. interesting to see where he goes. Yeah. Yeah, I know he's been posting his offers on Twitter. I haven't seen all of them. I saw Oregon State. Yeah, I saw Oregon State. Um, go to Iowa. Western Kentucky. I'd go to um, Iowa. Over Charlotte. There. I'd go to Iowa over there I'd, as well. Yeah, I mean. Oregon State would be good, but their head coach is gone. So, yeah, but not a better defense than Iowa. Yeah, I, so I don't know. Surprising. Well, to each his own. Yeah. We have our guest today is John Leo. He is not only an Iowa alum, um, he's a sports information director. Works uh, especially with football, um, track and field, among. Various other things, jack of all trades, and a master of them too, um, and the voice of Iowa baseball, of course. John Leo, welcome in. Thanks for having me. Uh, I didn't think about what I was going to say after that, so Matt, we're going to shoot to you for a question. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, starting off, like what what got you into? I know at least the broadcasting part. That's what kind of fascinated me. Which got what got you into that? Yeah. So a little bit of a interesting maybe a surprising start for me I was never really going to get into sports in any capacity let alone broadcasting I was actually going to be a meteorologist so growing up as a child meteorology was something that I was into I visited uh, University of Oklahoma many times set on going there and then uh, in 2015 we all know Iowa played in the Big Ten championship game against Michigan State lost in a heartbreaker Uh, I was a senior in high school at the time and that game sort of totally changed my my path so as I look at it now maybe I'm glad we didn't win because I changed my route in my career and um, now I have a, a great job and a, you know, I'm around great people all the time so it didn't really start out that way that I was going to get into broadcasting when I got back from that game that that sort of experience I, I changed my mind I decided I was going to go to Iowa and then I finished up my senior year of high school um Basically at at ground at uh, at floor level again, ground level. Uh, I had to build towards something else. Uh, my first broadcast actually was in February of that year. Um, we were doing uh, the, my high school was competing at the sectional wrestling tournament up in Decorah. Uh, I'm from Old Wine originally in Northeast Iowa, and uh, the the radio team there, uh, their, the color analyst. His son was competing to move on to the next to the next tournament to, to keep his season alive, and he was too nervous to broadcast the match. And so he came up to me and said, John, I, I need you to broadcast this for me. And I'm like, I've never done this before. I hardly ever put on a headset, right? And so I did it, and then it was just kind of it, it clicked from there. And then I, I reached out, made some contacts, um, some communication with some professionals in the business, and I came down to Iowa and, um, and, and kind of went from there. So it was not the 
best story, the most, hey, I've been dying to do this forever type of situation. Uh, but better late than never, I guess. So were you at, so you were in, in Indianapolis for that 2015 Big Ten Championship game, which you see it on TV? I was. I was there. I was I was at the stadium, at the game. The Tavon Smith touchdown happened uh, at the end zone right in front of me. Um, and the L.J. Scott touchdown happened at the end zone opposite, totally opposite. And I will say those are probably uh, the happiest and saddest moments of my life all in one game, uh, which might say a little bit about me one way or another. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who I told that to, but I said the same exact thing. Yep, yep. I mean, they just, boy, that 85-yard touchdown to start the fourth quarter, I was running up and down the aisles. I was going crazy. In fact, when they show that video, you can see me running up and down the aisles. I don't know. It was kind of like a blackout moment. Then there was like a blackout moment after the game. I was just really down and just not good. So uh, the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, they say, that one all took place in the same spot. So it's kind of like I think we all sort of you know, experience it now when going back to Lucas Oil, man. It's just, it's just not a lot of success there for us for whatever reason. Yeah, it is unfortunately true. Um, so I know your first broadcast was wrestling. Did you go in there with like no experience about wrestling? Did you like how would you approach that? You know. Yeah. So I had no experience on anything broadcast broadcast related. Uh, I've always been a sports fan. Like that. That's mm-hmm. that's what my true passion is. It was just kind of disguised by this interest in severe weather that made me think that I wanted to be a meteorologist. I guess. Um, my grandpa wrestled here at Iowa, and my dad went to medical school here. So I have a lot of ties to the university, but wrestling is a sport that I know quite a bit about because of the family history with it. So I'm very knowledgeable on the sport, but when it comes to broadcasting it, as you guys all know, uh, when, it, when it comes to play-by-play, there's a little difference between, hey, I know what's going on to I need to tell people what's going on. There's a big mm-hmm. difference in that. And so to to sort of get thrown in there on an emergency basis, th- there's nothing that you can really do to prepare for that on the fly because I was going just to support my classmates, my friends. And um, so so just to get into that situation, uh, certainly strange, but when things are on fire, you got you to gotta go. You know, you got to put it out, you got to go. And, and that's what we did in that situation. And then I, I remember walking away from that. You know, I, I was like, okay, that, that didn't go horribly. My friend won. He pinned his guy. I think I showed proper levels of excitement. Uh, it was clear that our guy won, so I checked a lot of the very basic boxes, I guess, with that. But then I remember leaving and saying, okay, imagine how I could be if I was fully prepared and I really took this on uh, from the straightaway. So what would you say is the hardest sport to broadcast? That's a that's a really good question. I think they're all challenging in, in different ways. I have probably the most experience with basketball. Uh, my career started with basketball up in Waterloo. I've got a lot of uh, experience with that. So the, the pace of basketball, as, I, as I, my career brought me back to Iowa City and I, I joined the student radio and, and did Iowa men's basketball and women's basketball, uh, the, the pace of play for men's basketball and women's basketball here, very up and down, score a lot of points, play with a high pace. So that was challenging to keep up and to, to have some fluidity with the, the broadcast in that regard. Uh, football is sort of in the middle, I guess, uh, in terms of pace. Uh, you know, you get the huddle here at Iowa. We huddle up, uh, and, and so you get the play, and then you got to get a few seconds to let the broadcast breathe a little bit. Baseball, until I got um, the the role of being the voice of Iowa baseball, baseball was probably the hardest because mm-hmm. there's so much downtime. Uh, you have so much time in between pitches. 
And on radio, if you're not talking, that's a problem because the people that are listening are wondering, hmm, is it still on the air? Is there, a, is there an issue? Uh, they start re-downloading their apps. They, you know, turn the station. Uh, and so you lose people. And so with baseball, that was really challenging. The flip side of that is, okay, if you're going to fill the time in between pitches, it's got to be worth something, right? It can't just be mindless conversation that is pointless to the listener, right? And so there's a challenge in, in making sure that you are saying something, but it's also productive to the, to the broadcast and the audience. So I don't know if I could say one's harder than the other. It took me longer to become skilled at broadcasting baseball, I would say. So who 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 is like a baseball play by play person you like you look up to you you think does a good job? Mm. Well, I I grew up I suppose listening to uh, Bob Euchre with the the Brewers, uh, Pat Hughes. I'm not a Cubs fan nor am I a Brewers fan. I'm actually a Pirates fan. Uh, but Pat Hughes and Ron Sano back in the day, uh, I guess in the summertime, just kind of driving around Northeast Iowa as a kid with my family, always on the radio. I wouldn't say that I model myself after them, uh, trying to find my own voice, my own um, tone and, and whatnot, but just to understand how to how to broadcast baseball, I think is very much different than broadcasting any other sport. And so just remembering listening back to those guys. Um, and, and I still do in my free time uh, over the summers, uh, but to to listen to the passion that they have for their team, which you have to have if you're the voice of a team, uh, that is something that I, I could remind myself of uh, in my journey. Okay, I was really hoping you would say Hawk Harrelson, but that's okay. You know, yeah, I, I guess <laughs> I guess I haven't listened to to much of them, but um, I, I I guess because <laughs> he's I got could, passion. Let yeah, me tell I could, you, I could align <laughs> with the passion part probably. Yeah. So you know about you're a Pirates fan, so I'm so you assume you've heard that Bill Mas- Bill Mazeroski Homer. Sure, yeah, yeah, I have. Those are those are historical. Every sports fan hopefully has. Every baseball fan hopefully has heard that one. Yeah. So, I listened to a while ago a uh, like a JJ Redick podcast with uh, Mike Breen, mm-hmm. and they talked about the bang mm-hmm. comment for probably half an mm-hmm. hour. You've got the Stacy King, give me the hot sauce. If you had to pick three of your own signature like comments what would they be yeah well so i'm still trying to find that um going into this last baseball season my first as the voice of iowa baseball uh people are asking me okay what's your what's your catchphrase going to be what's your you know slogan going to be and i I was pretty i'm pretty reluctant to do that because sometimes you force it and then it's like well that doesn't make any sense right and that it's kind of cheesy doesn't really Work out. So the first probably three or four weeks of the baseball season, I didn't have anything, uh, and and not because nothing came to me naturally. But I would say by the end of the year, people would be able to identify my my calls. Uh, when when the Hawks hit a home run, and I'm pretty sure that it's a home run, um, my my home run call is "Get going, baby," and then it's gone. You know, you make sure that it mm-hmm. clears the. The fence. We had a couple where I was begging for it to get going, but it hit off the wall, right, or something like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, that that became a signature. Uh, in fact, uh, we got some team issued gloves for this season. Our baseball gloves. Everybody that's a part of the sports staff gets uh, gets a glove along with the players, obviously. And they they made me put "Get going, baby" on the side of the glove. So that that's kind of cool. Uh, that's one. I end every broadcast. Um, by saying that every day is a great day to be a Hawkeye. Some are just a little bit better than others. And no matter if the Hawks win or lose, that is the case. So when you say every day is a great day to be a Hawkeye, 
true. Some are just a little bit better than others. Okay, so if we won the game, well, this is one of those days that is better than the others. And if we lost, well, this is not one of those days, and we can look forward to a day where it's better than today. right? So I always end my broadcast with that, and that, that really stuck, and, and I think the fans can, can resonate with that. It's a good reminder, too, because when the Hawks lose, there are a lot of people that are upset, and I, I kind of provide a reassuring, positive outlook on things. I guess um, when it comes to baseball, you know, I, I don't have, in my basketball experience or football experience, you know, I, I don't have a, you know, he's going to go all the way or anything like that. So sticking with baseball, uh, with a strikeout call, you know, I, I guess, uh, you know, I've got, um, you know, swing and a miss, obviously, but then I, I follow it up with, especially if it's a breaking ball or something, you know, he went fishing for that one, hook, line, and sinker, you know, things like that. Those are kind of cheesy, I guess, my strikeout calls. But I would say the first two are, are my signatures. So when we we spoke, uh, I think it was while we were waiting for track media last semester, and you were telling me about how this is like what you want to do. This is your dream job. Does that still hold true? Yeah, I mean, I'm in a unique position when it comes to play-by-play broadcasting, until you get to be the guy, and even the people that are at the very top, at the highest positions, like being the voice of Ohio State men's basketball and football, you know, there's usually something else that you need to do to fulfill, you know, maybe your responsibilities or, or your, you know, your life goals to fill your time too, uh, because as you know, okay, if if I'm just a broadcaster of college football for one team, okay, that's 12, maybe 13, maybe 14 days of the year uh, that I actually work. Okay, and then if you go to basketball, well, you play however many games. you got to have something else to do. Um, and so I'm in a unique spot where as Iowa's baseball broadcaster, okay, my season is February until June. Obviously, you got to have something else to do from June until February, right? And that's where I found my passion in, in sports information and and they really feed well off of each other, and that I'm able to do both. That's something that um, ha- has been exciting, and, and I'm very grateful that the folks in charge have allowed me to, to do both, capable of doing both. And, and so I, I think now, I wouldn't say that I've shifted away from play-by-play, but I've added to it as, as a couple of passions that really feed well off of one another and and, and are allowing me to uh, fulfill both uh, at the same time, which which I'm grateful for. So this is absolutely 100% what I still want to do, play-by-play with baseball, and then continue my work in in the sports information department. I know you talked about broadcasting, um, and we talked about some of the intricacies of that, but how, what about an SID? I don't think most people really know what you guys really do. Right, so I, I didn't know much about what they did either. Um, when I worked in student radio, I built some connections, I guess, with the sports information department. As you guys know, you kind of have to work with us in terms of credentialing and getting access. Mm-hmm. And so I, I did the same things when I was in student radio a few years ago. Uh, and basically when I got when I got done with my master's in 2022, I did not have a great outlook on, on job situation uh, when it comes to when it came to radio. And it, it got to be July, August, and uh, the, the former AD of Athletic Communications, Steve Rowe, called me up and said, hey, 
um, I know it's not radio, but we've got this internship. And if you applied for it in the sports information department, you know, we'd take a good look at you. So I'm like, all right, you know, we're kind of backs against the wall running out of time here, so I'll go for it. It's interesting. My mom had sent me the the application for that for months, and I just kind of blew her off. I said, Mom, this, I'm not doing that. I don't want to do that. Um, and now come to find out it's, it's, my, it's my passion, something I love doing every day. So I didn't know much about it either. I uh, quickly found out uh, as we got right into sports season, but – you know, it's a lot of media relations. You know, we're kind of on the other side. We're, we're, we do feel like we're part of the team, actually. Um, and, and our job is basically to, to promote the programs, the student-athletes, uh, in a way that, that fits the Iowa Hawkeye standard. You know, the, the win, graduate, do it right part of it, that's, uh, that's an element if that continues on with the new athletic director, uh, whoever that might be. Uh, but, you know, promote the programs, a lot of social media work, all about you know tone and, and, and voice of the account. So in charge of that, behind the scenes, working on websites, data collection, stat collection, compilation of stats, graphic design. You're really doing a lot of – you're doing a little bit of a lot, if that makes sense. And um, we got a great team, a lot, of, a lot of people that are in our office, so you're never really alone in doing one sport, right? You, you've got – Basically, everybody in there has one sport per season, and then they've got two or three people that assist them with that uh, particular sport. So a lot of writing. Writing is big. I, I've really felt myself improve in the, in the writing category, the writing department, in the past few months or so. Writing, social media, graphic design, um, editing of photos. I need to know a lot uh, about the Adobe uh, platforms, if you guys are familiar with those. Uh, things like that. So uh, you got to you got to have a few skills in a lot of different um, different facets. Okay. Then going back to broadcasting, what's like the weirdest play you've seen in any sport? Where you're just like, how do I describe this for the listener? That wow, that's sense. a good that's a good question. That one's gonna have to uh, take me back a bit. I, I've always I guess I've always been careful not to insert my own opinion of what I think is happening, especially when like officials get involved, mm -hmm. because then if you're wrong, you just look like you're not bright, like you're not smart. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so I kind of stay out of that. We've had, I guess with baseball season, we've had a couple of just heartbreaking losses that have come right at the end. I, I think back to the Indiana series and a guy that was hitting like 120 for Indiana. Mm -hmm. And he hit a walk-off home run off the foul pole Oof. that was just heartbreaking. But I, I, don't, I guess I don't have a, I don't have a, specific play that comes to mind that thought, wow, I don't know how I'm going to tell people about this. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. How about your most memorable call? Like, okay. one you look back on and say, man, I, I did a good job there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Big Ten the Big Ten basketball tournament in 2022, uh, I was with student radio. We spent the whole week in Indianapolis because we won the tournament. Uh, so I, I think back to Jordan Bohannon's uh, banked-in three-pointer against Indiana. And the reason I think back to that, it was a memorable moment. Um, I don't listen to that call very much because I don't like it. Like I don't, mm. I don't, um, I don't think that I did it. I had a great call for that. So that one is one that you won't see me replaying too often. Uh, but uh, certainly a memorable moment to be surprised that that shot went in. Uh, that was a memorable week. That was a memorable experience. Uh, no question about that. This baseball season. Uh, we got out of a lot of uh, 
a lot of jams over in Omaha. You know, we were we were in trouble against Michigan in our first game. They had the bases loaded with nobody out. Our pitcher, our relief pitcher Jack Whitlock, struck out three guys in a row. That was just a buildup of a sequence. That that whole sequence was really exciting. Uh, but, but I would say most recently would be in that tournament uh, against Indiana. We were losing basically the whole game. Kyle Huxdorf hit a bases-clearing double to the left-field wall. Uh, I was pretty fired up for that one. That, that would be the, the most recent memorable call that I've had. It seems like you got like, that photographic memory. Yeah, you know? it, <laughs> yeah that, that's part of it. it and it's kind of interesting because as a broadcaster, you think that you would, you would remember every play because you're, you're there for it. You've got to take note of it. There are some times... Um, I've started to write a little bit more just at the end of every day, and, and I look forward to doing that when I get into broadcast situations because there are a lot of moments that I forget. Like when you ask me, uh, I'm sure that I've probably seen some wacky plays that caught me by surprise, but it, there are some things that just don't come to mind as quickly as others. But y- you remember the really exciting times, um, like the Whitlock strikeout series, like Huck hitting the ball to the wall, sending us to the championship game. Um and then you also remember the kid from Indiana that's got a pitiful batting average that hit a walk-off home run off us. You know, you, so you remember the peaks and, and the valleys. So I guess you credit my memory with that. So what makes a good call? Like, what do you what do you look for to make a call good? And what makes a call, you know, not so good? Yeah, I'm very picky uh, about this, and and not that I have any, you know, authority to stand on. Like I've mentioned a couple times, but. Uh, th- there is a line between being a fan and and. and and promoting with excitement uh, because the second you cross a line and you become a fan, well, now you're kind of robbing the audience of being their own fan or providing them with detailed description of what's going on. So to, to use your voice in an exciting manner but still provide the detail of the play, that's what's key. And so to find the balance of that, I think I struggled with that early on in my career, maybe a little bit early on with the, with the baseball uh, position as well. Uh, but but to find the right balance of hey I'm still I'm I'm telling the audience what's going on but you can tell that I'm the voice of the Hawkeyes the voice of Iowa baseball you can tell that that's what I'm excited about I'm not thrilled when Michigan does something great I'm not happy when Illinois hits a three or gets a base hit you're gonna be able to tell that I'm me and my broadcast partner we are uh, the Iowa broadcast but to Keep the the detail going, and, that, and that's the key. And, and sometimes, you know, you hear people that you know, they they are, are broadcasting through a basketball game or you know, a football game, and a big play happens, and they quit telling you what happened because they're telling you, "Oh yeah," you know. And then it's like, "Well, what happened?" Because I'm relying on you to tell me what happened, and you're not telling me what happened. You're just excited something happened, but I don't know what. You got to tell me what happened. And, and so I am kind of picky about uh, what I hear sometimes, and 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 I'm I'm in a spot where. You know, I can mentor a few people uh, along the way, and uh, some people have asked me to listen to their tapes and, and to, to sort of give advice in that regard, which I'm honored by, and, and those are some of the keys that I, that I talk about. Have the passion. you gotta, I, I got to know who you're for, uh, and then you know, hone that in and, and keep, it, keep it where it's detailed still. You were speaking about being a mentor to other people, but who have been some mentors in your career? Right, so um, my, my biggest mentor is uh, Gary Rima. He was the voice of the UNI Panthers for 29 years, did their football and their men's basketball. He's from uh, up around where I live in northeast Iowa. And when I made that decision as a senior in high school, 
uh, to go into broadcasting or sports. You know, I told my parents about it, and after things settled down a little bit, they, my, my dad said, well, why don't you just text Gary Rima? And I said, okay, sure, Dad, I'll just text this guy on Facebook Messenger. Doesn't know who I am, doesn't know anything about it, right? It's kind of crazy. I'm like, good one, Dad. Yeah, you really understand social media. Good. Uh, but I did eventually, and Gary did respond to me, and he's got connections to, to where I'm from and knows my family a bit. And so he really took me under his wing and uh, taught me everything that I know about how a broadcast needs to sound. So I pull from him, you know, the passion, but still telling people what's going on. Uh, the way I physically set up a broadcast is it, I learned that from him. Uh, when it comes to my spotter charts or note cards that I make, I learned that from him. I feel that that is what works for me. I'm not trying to copy anybody, but I've tried a few different ways, and I, I think that Gary's approach is what really works for me. And so he's my lead mentor, no question. He's retired now. He lives down in, in Florida. I talk to him every week. Um, and and he, he's, a, he's a, somebody who very supportive, um, but the, told me the things that I needed to hear. Because the thing about broadcasting is everybody's going to tell you how great you are. Your mom's going to tell you that you're the best thing she's ever listened to. Your dad's going to tell you, hey, I showed my friends at work the stuff that you did. And that's great. You need supportive people in your life. But you also need somebody to say, hey, you're doing a great job. You could be even better if you tweaked a few of these things. And Gary was, is still great at that with me. And so I'm, I'm very appreciative uh, of that. I've got a number of people in the industry I'm relatively close with Matt Chasnaw out at Washington State. Uh, they're play-by-play broadcaster. Uh, he's been uh, he's been quick to critique my work in, in a positive way, and I've learned from him. Um, w- when it comes to connections, you know, it's hard to build strong, sturdy, stable connections that you can really grow with because a lot of them are still in the industry, and they're working on improving themselves too, and, and they're still – they're still active. They don't necessarily have the time to listen to a bunch of tapes and, and uh, give advice to everybody. So I, I would say those are, are some of my lead broadcasting uh, mentors that, that I can really look up to. I, I, w- I will say I spend a lot of time uh, taking that responsibility on myself, and uh, especially in the winter time when basketball, you got basketball games every night, I will usually, unless I'm working, usually have a basketball game on on the varsity app or listening to uh, somebody broadcast basketball uh, just so I can see a different perspective. It could be Colorado against Utah, and I'm listening to the Colorado guy. Mark Johnson does a really nice job uh, for the Buffaloes. So, uh, you know, I'll pick Big Ten guys. You know, I, I'm around Dolph a lot. I'm around Gary Dolphin a lot. You know, we get along. And uh, and so I'll, I'll pick different people, take that own responsibility to improve that way by just listening to how somebody else might call uh, a driving layup or a strike three. And then, you know, not everyone's Vince Scully up there by themselves. Mm-hmm. Usually have a broad, they usually have a broadcast partner. So what's that dynamic like in a two-man booth? Yes, two-man booth, very grateful for it, especially with baseball. The, the first weekend of the year last year, I did not have my broadcast partner, John Evans. He was, he, he was joining us in the second week. And I remember thinking after that first weekend – Oh boy, this this is gonna be this gonna be tough to to fill all that time alone, especially when you're dominating a team like the Hawks were in that first weekend. Uh, and, and so I came away from that first weekend thinking, uh oh, okay, I'm gonna really have to power through this. But then John joined us in the second weekend. Um, I had not I, I did not know John at all uh, prior to 
joining up with him on the baseball broadcast, and he and I get along like great friends. I mean, we're um, we're a great team. Uh, I handle the play-by-play. He's my color analyst. Basically, how I describe that to to folks that are learning about play-by-play, I draw the outline and he fills it in. And it's it's a 50-50 type of trade-off. I give him things that he's responsible for. He's a very sharp, very smart uh, individual that, that brings a lot to the broadcast. And so, I mean, by week four, we were going back and forth. I, I mean, we were we were in a really good spot and established a really good rhythm because that's what you need with a, with a color analyst. Our, our first weekend together... We broadcasted Iowa beating number one LSU, who would eventually be the the national champion then too. Uh, and so I knew that maybe we had a little luck in the booth. Maybe we brought a little something to the to the team. But we're both very passionate Iowa fans on the inside that we're both grateful that we get to share with our audience. So I'm really grateful for John. He he's more of a life mentor for me. I've learned a lot from him in the broadcasting business as well. But to have John in my corner in life too, that that's been a significant blessing, and I'm I'm looking forward to year two with him starting in a couple months. I want to ask three uh, personal questions. So my mm-hmm. first question is <laughs> that like I follow you on Twitter, and I see like a lot of your tweets. I'm so I'm curious how like faith and religion has motivated you like every day mm. in what you do. That's a that's a great question, Colin. Um, I am a I'm a pretty religious individual. Um, I think like most of us, um, you know, we've all experienced challenges uh, in life, maybe some disappointments. Those are the things that probably stick with us the most. Um, and so I, I've always believed that, um, you know, having, having faith in things improving and getting better is a choice that people get to make every day. Um, you, can, you can choose to handle life's challenges uh, by believing in that, or you cannot. I think there was a period of time where I did not, where I you know, didn't really appreciate the challenges of life very much, uh, maybe played the pity game a little bit, and I, that, didn't get, that doesn't get anybody anywhere. So um, I, I was raised in a, a Catholic household. I went to a Catholic elementary school. I'm very uh, devout Catholic today, practicing. And, and I just, I think that um, there are things that are very relatable in, in believing that things can get better. And, and I do believe that um, you know, God plays the significant role in that. Um, this may turn into a deeper answer than, than you were looking for, maybe. But, um, you know, I, I think there are things to, to draw from that. Because now looking back, you know, I, I think of disappointments that I've had, challenges that I've had, and made it through every single one of them. And if people want to say, well, yeah, credit yourself for that. Well, I was given the, the tools or the, the, uh, the skills to, to manage that, to get through that. Uh, and so I, th- I think that's a, that's a key factor. Now, also for the great things that happen in life, to, to be grateful for them, um, that takes some work too. Uh, because I, I can think of times in my life where things are going really well, great. And you feel yourself... Uh, Kind of you know, reading your own press clippings a little bit, you know, where, oh, things are good. I'm, nobody can touch me. Um, and, and I think those are important times to remember your faith as well, uh, to, to practice gratefulness 
uh, and to make a concerted effort to be thankful for the people that have helped you uh, get to where you are, uh, to be thankful for the opportunities that you've had. And so I, I think a lot about today as, as I've gotten older, my life has kind of steadied out a little bit more. Uh, it's not spiking up and down as much. Um, you know, I, I think about the strength and the courage, the, the discipline, you know, the protection. Those are the things that I, that I ask for each day um, so that whatever does happen, good or bad, I react to it in a, in a positive way. That's a good question, Colin. I appreciate you asking that. That yeah. was a great answer. My, it's going to make my next two personal questions seem a lot less important. Um, my second question is, I always, I always see you in the Hawkeye gear. I'm curious, like what, like a normal non-Iowa <laughs> outfit looks like for you. Like, what's your go-to? Run me through it, because we always give Matt a hard time, and we probably will, even though his fit looks decent today. Thank you. We'll Thank probably you. still give him a hard time. Yeah, I'll see how you're so gonna I'm be. I'm curious able to do that, what it, what it looks <laughs> yeah. like. Okay, so so how come you give Matt a hard time? What is this? Is he a big? So he's got so, a Guns and Roses uh, shirt oh, on right now. Wow, yeah. John's <laughs> joined in on the grilling. Okay, so <laughs> so is that why people give you a hard time? No, 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 no. no, no. I can you explain. might have to pull out the picture. No, 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 don't pull. There was one day, one fateful. Tuesday, <laughs> Natalie will pull it up. One fateful Tuesday where Matt uh, not only wore this to our podcast, but he wore it to Media Day with none other than Kirk Ferentz. It was a hat, a snapback hat. It was backwards when he came here. It was backwards. I took it off for the press conference. I took it off for the press conference. It was backwards when you he came here. Okay. And that does not erase the fact that he was wearing a jean jacket and jeans. <laughs> Ah. Was that this year, Matt? It was this year. Did you see that? Remember that? I think I, you might I, have been I there. I remember that. I, okay. I think that. Kirk might remember it, too. Maybe I'll ask him. Yeah. yeah I would refrain I, from that. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, you never you never know what Coach Ferentz is thinking, so uh, I don't know if that crossed his mind if he saw it. I don't know if um, backwards hat at the time, but you took it off. You're good, yeah, right? You yeah, took it off? Okay. Yeah. Right. So you, you were... Jean jackets and jeans sometimes, okay. Uh-huh. Only wore only wore it once. It's not, you heard, not you heard enough since. about it. You heard enough yeah, about I it. Got I got grilled. I got grilled. Very hard time about I, it yeah. after. Okay, well, my my outfits are, are pretty basic, I guess. If you were to be in my closet, you would see a lot of black and a lot of gold. And so and that that's how it was. You asked people about what I wore to school growing up. I mean, I was wearing the Iowa football jersey, and then I was wearing the Iowa sweatshirt, and then I, so I was always wearing Iowa stuff. So this is natural for me. But if I'm not working, I'm at home. I usually um, am in a pretty neutral sweatshirt or jacket. Usually, I I, just, I wear a lot of black clothing. Um, I I guess I guess I'm in this stuff most of the time. Let's uh, say you're going out on a date. Ah, okay. <laughs> what, are right, there we go. what are you wearing and where are you going? And what are you drinking? Ooh. Mm. Is it a first date? Or is this... It's a first date. Okay, it's a first date, yeah. Because by that point, if there were multiple dates, many dates, she would be aware that, okay, now John's in, you know, like a bar stool hoodie and jeans, like whatever. Yes. Okay. Well, first date in Iowa City, you're saying. First yes, date in Iowa in City. in Iowa City. Wow. What are you wearing, where are you going, what are you drinking? <laughs> okay. And what is she drinking? Yeah. And who's paying? Okay. All right. Okay. So I got all the... Okay. This is great. This is great. So I am 26 years old. So my first date would not be at a bar. Just putting okay. that out there. Um, I'm more of a... I'd be somewhere in the river landing, I would say. I'd probably go... I'm going to go tribute. 
First okay. first date would be at Tribute, I think, or Marquee, one of those two. Okay. Okay, I'm also Italian, so I'm very picky about my Italian. We don't do any of that Olive Garden stuff. I hope they're not sponsoring this or anything. I would say Marquee or Tribute, okay. Uh, for that occasion, I would be wearing a very nice pair of jeans and... Depending on the climate, the season, uh, in the summer, I'd have a nice button-down shirt, short sleeve. Um, in the wintertime, it gets a little different, but I'd, I'd have, I've got a number of plain uh, jackets that I would, I would likely wear. Um, I'm just now getting into shoes, so my shoe game is pitiful. I mean, you have better shoes on, Colin, Matt, you've got better shoes on. Not me. <laughs> well, dirty, dirty Air Force. Yeah, see, like, let's see. I don't even know what those are called. So, um, my shoe game would be pretty generic. Okay. Uh, so I'd cover that. I'm, I'm a pretty basic. I'm an old soul. I'm a pretty basic guy. Um, and what I'd be drinking? Is that what you're saying? Yes. What I'd be drinking? Well, um, we've moved past the well drinks. I, I'd probably be having a Manhattan, maybe an old fashioned. Okay. A man of taste. Uh, yes, yeah. It's when you grow up a little bit, you you ditch the yeah, vodka well, lemonades. Of course. So it, well, it I happens. wouldn't have a vodka lemonade at a first date. Either, there you but. go. Good call. Good call. Oh, uh, should be wearing no. this by chance at the first date. <laughs> so I've been I've been shown the picture now. Yes, you have. Of, of initial reactions. A lot of jeans and a backwards hat. Did yeah, you by chance blue. wear this to a first date? Uh, no. No, okay. All right. Okay. All right. His mom doesn't like it either. <laughs> Give him a hard time. Yeah. All right. I've seen the picture. We've now. got a lot of blue here. Yeah. <laughs> we do. He looks like he's from South Central Los Angeles. <laughs> there you go. Okay. That's a great... Yeah. I didn't know how to put that out into, into words, but I think yeah. you covered it there, Colin. Well, here's the thing. Here's, here's a piece of advice for you, Matt. Um, <laughs> we make choices every day. Sometimes they're mistakes. Mm-hmm. Now, they're no longer mistakes if you continue to make them. So you made a mistake mm-hmm. once, you wore that outfit, mm-hmm. um, and as long as you never make that choice again, it'll be a one-time mistake. So you're good. Thank you so much. Yeah. Take Appreciate that, it. Take that. Write that one down. I, uh, yeah, we'll do. I quoted the video of uh, Kevin Garnett and Craig Sager. Have you seen that one? Where he's like, you take this outfit home and you burn it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I quoted that a couple of times. That would be good material to start a fire. Yep. <laughs> Um, your final part of that question, who pays? Who's paying? You get a lot of heat for this. I, I'm, I'm sort of (laughs) under the impression. I heard it. I heard it not too long ago that said, whoever asked, whoever's idea it was to go on the date Hmm. would be who pays. Hmm. I am not under that impression. I would, I would be, I would be, yep. We're bringing the bill here. Yep. Wow. I like that. That's respectful. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Just. My two cents, I guess. Can I please chime in on this yeah. conversation? I don't know. I also think sometimes you just split it. Split it? Okay. That, I mean, I guess. But then it's like, are you really together if you're splitting yeah. a bill? Good point, Colin. Yeah, facts. Then you're really just there getting I mean, food. At I'm not going to lie. I've paid for bills before. Mm. Maybe it's, I shouldn't do that. It's okay to pay for bills like a couple times in because like, come on, it's 2020, almost 2024. Yep. But the first time, like I think... Yeah, the first time, the guy. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. First time, the guy. There you go. Yep. First time should definitely be the guy. I don't necessarily agree with that sentiment that whoever's idea it was. It was an interesting take, um, but first time, the guy, and then we'll balance it out as we go. Yeah. 
So I'm currently sitting here at 20 years old, so I'm not uh, I'm not quite 26. So where do you, where do you recommend that I go for a first date in Iowa City? You're 20. I'm 20. <laughs> Isn't there a dry bar here? <laughs> do I want to go to a bar at 20 years old? No, though? like I don't am I so. am I at that? You know, even a bar like am I? Yeah, I would not. I would not. Like a nice no. dinner, a nice dinner spot. Tribute Good. or what was the Good. other one? Uh, well, Marquee. But Marquee, okay. I also don't live in Iowa City, so True. I would. it'd be hard for me to come downtown. I would just wouldn't I wouldn't find myself downtown. But for for nice folks like you guys, um, yeah. I would I would go with the Wigan Pen. I think the Wigan Pen is a nice okay. nice place. Yes. Have you guys yeah. been there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, have you, Colin, have you been I've there? I've never been there. Colin has never <laughs> been there. Uh-huh. You used to work there? Yeah, I used to waitress there. Okay. <laughs> I liked the Wigan Pen. It was my favorite place growing up. Uh, the key time. is, yeah, the key is that it's kind of dark in there, so. Mm. Um, Sets the, the mood. The, yeah, the ambiance is nice. I don't okay. know where you're going to take it <laughs> getting, further down the road. But we're getting deeper and yeah. deeper into this uh, yeah. conversation, but yeah, um, let's continue. Yes. Uh, I've got plenty of uh, ideas, but I would go to the Wigan <laughs> Pen, yeah, because I, I think that's a good that's a good starting spot. Their menu's great. You can choose anything that you want there. And uh, the, the ambiance is, mm. is nice. Mm. Huh? I'm a big ambiance guy. Do you have something coming up, Colin? You're asking a lot no, of questions about I'm first dates. <laughs> no, I just, we've gone down the rabbit hole. I was, uh, I'm just picking your brain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. Huh? Of some, someone of experience. Matt, write this down. <laughs> well, Come on. The clock's ticking, man. Matt, how old are you? 20? 19? 19? 20? Youngest person on this podcast. I wow. No, I, uh, yes, yes. The clock's Man. ticking, Matt. You're getting old. Mm, it's time to settle down. <laughs> time to settle down, Matt. <sighs> I wish I had the time. Anyway. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Anyway, let's say, mm. I don't know, stick, stick, with the, stick with the first date thing. So you're in the car. Oh, God. Wait, just wait. Oh, it's going to connect back to broadcasting. Oh, just wait. No. Just wait. Oh, no. How would you, like, I know you said you're an old, old soul. Mm-hmm. You're in the you're you're in the car on the first date. You put it on sports talk radio. When you're on, oh, no. or, or am, you, am I putting on sports yeah, talk radio? Yeah. You said you're an old old soul. Well, I used, big, to, I used yeah. to work in sports talk radio. Yeah. After I got done with undergrad, I moved back and, and I was in sports talk radio. I had the hot mic for a couple hours a day. Uh, so I don't I don't think that I am turning that on on the first date. Usually, what I have done in the past. Um, Maybe not the first date. Maybe I control the music on the first date. But as things progress, I'm curious in what um, the woman's music taste is. Mm -hmm. And so I typically let her play the music Mm -hmm. because I listen to my music all the time. So, and then I'm just a sponge right now. Yeah, (laughs) based on because listen, guys, you got you you have that's what you have to do. You have to be a sponge. You don't need to outwardly say. Hey, what kind of music do you listen to? That's boring. That's that's that talking stage that everybody's in all the time. Listen, give them a little control. Make them feel important, which they are. Mm-hmm. Give them a little authority. Give them a little power. Hey, would you mind hooking up your phone to the Bluetooth? I just want to – you play the music today. Okay. And then they play stuff that you like, and mm, you nice think, okay, you. okay, good. We're off to – okay, so music, <laughs> check. Okay, we're good there. You, she, she plays something you don't like or he plays something you don't like. And you start scratching your head, and you keep driving, you keep doing your thing, but you're thinking in in your mind, okay, I cannot listen to this stuff at home. So do you cater your music taste in the car to uh, whoever's with you? I don't. Mm. I don't. So you just show your true colors. Yes. Yeah, life's too short to hide behind something because eventually they're going to pull it out at you. 
Mm-hmm. Now you play you play the music, you you cook the food, you do the things that you like to do because they're going to learn it about you anyway. So you might as well let them learn right off the rip. Do you have Spotify? I do have Spotify. So who who are your top artists on your Spotify oh, rap? Good, good, good. Money, it's I could even probably guess. Dude, Colin, Colin knows Colin me a little guess. bit better than than most. So yes, uh, Morgan Wallen was at the top of my Spotify Wrapped. Um, it was a big topic of conversation in the office this week. We have a lot of student interns that mm-hmm. wanted to share their Spotify wrapped things. I saw the like promotion come up, and I thought, oh, boy, just stay off Instagram today because you're going to see what everybody listens to. <laughs> I'm not going to know much about any of it, but whatever. Morgan Wallen was my number one. Number two was Eric Church, who is my favorite, mm-hmm. but Morgan Wallen came out with a bigger album, I guess, this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, three was uh, Cody Johnson. Four was Luke Combs, and five was Chris Stapleton. Mm-hmm. So I don't only listen to country, but country is kind of the, the music that when I'm in the car I listen to uh, the most. No Zach Bryan on that list? I am kind of behind the eight ball with Zach Bryan. I, I just I never got into it off the start, so I feel mm-hmm. like jumping in right now. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of behind on him, I would say. Mm-hmm. So what other genres are you playing? <laughs> Uh, country. Yep, seventies and eighties. Okay. I like um, the Eagles, Bob Seger. Oh. Mm. I think "Night Moves" by Bob Seger might be my favorite song of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, all those you know, Ario Speedwagon, seventies and eighties stuff mm. that you, you hear there. Uh, country. Um, I, I do like. I don't know if you call it EDM, mm. like um, Fisher. Yeah, like a, really. Yeah, I mean, like I don't know if I'd go that far, like stuff wow. that you hear at the bar, right? But you know, kind of pop stuff that has a nice bass drop or something mm. in there every once in a while. That okay. you know, like I I have a summer remix playlist, so it's just popular songs that are kind of remixed a little bit. Okay. So whatever genre that would be. Yeah. Okay. I I love EDM music. I go to festivals and stuff, but this is like the very first memory I had when I met you, and I still remember it. Oh boy. <laughs> but this is years okay, ago. yeah, when I was a freshman. Uh, when yeah, he was the sports director at KRUI, and he picked me up from my dorm, and I went to go help cover Iowa versus Nebraska men's basketball. And one of the songs that played was um, "Takeaway" by Chainsmokers. the Chainsmokers. And one of my favorite EDM artists is Elenium, and Elenium has a remix to that song with the Chainsmokers. I don't know why I've always remembered that. Mm-hmm. But I have. I always remember that song playing in your car. That's incredible. Yes, that is part of the summer remix playlist. Elenium is very good. Very good. Yes. I have a lot of their remix songs. Wow, that <laughs> that took me back. That was a few years ago. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's a good song. Good song. <laughs> I have a cousin who is uh, 33 years old. I don't know if I've mentioned him before on this podcast. He lives in the city. Is the rich one? Oh, yeah. This you is have. Him. You have. You have. Yeah, yeah. Have we talked about his music taste at all? I don't think so. He so. is, oh, my. He, like... <laughs> He went to see, you know, Red Rocks in Colorado? He went to see, like, Dead Mouse there. Do you know what that is? I don't know what Dead Mouse is. <laughs> it's like, do you know what Dead Mouse is? No. It's like no. some EDM thing. I don't know. Mm. I, don't I know. know Zed's dead. Who? Uh, An EDM artist. I thought it was just Zed. There's two. That's Zed uh, and Zed's dead. Well, he likes, related? he likes Fisher. No, they're not related. Well, that's copyright infringement, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> you guys you guys Fisher fans on that side of the room? I am. never heard really? of Fisher either. I've, I've seen him live. Really? Yeah. My friends want to go see him in Chicago. This is, this is the most surprising development of the day. What? And I dealt with enough in the office today that Kenna is she listens to EDM. EDM, like, hardcore. Yeah. yeah. I would not have picked, I would not have imagined that. Like, yep. 
ecstasy kind of like EDM <laughs> is what it's starting to sound like. I don't, I've never heard of Elenium, but it sounds like you need to be on ecstasy to, to listen to it. Is that, is that an inaccurate take? I have never done that. I'm not accusing you. I don't you. I'm ever really plan you. on it. I'm not accusing you. You don't have to be on anything to have fun. True. But you need to be having fun to have fun. Have you thought about it that way? <laughs> yeah. So you do point. need to be on something. It's about the people that you're with. There you go. And other people are with X. <laughs> so. Okay. That does it for our conversation with John Leo. We talked a lot less about sports than we had anticipated, <laughs> but it was uh, we're all sponges in this room. So thank you, John, for coming on. And uh, best of luck when baseball rolls around. That was a blast. Thanks, guys. As we mentioned earlier, Michigan getting that win over Iowa moved down to 13-0 in the season and moved, and also moved them up to the number one seed in the college football playoff. So Michigan is joined by number two, Washington, number three, Texas, and number four, Alabama for the playoff games in January. And, you know, one big old mission, Florida State, ACC champs, 13-0 season. Many say they were snubbed because they were the, quote, deserving team. But I, I disagree. It's not about what you deserve. It's about who's the best. Florida State is not the best. In terms of strength of schedule, they were ranked 55th strength of schedule in the nation. Alabama ranked 5th. Without Jordan Travis, they averaged about 20 points per game. And, frank, quite frankly, they looked like they kind of looked like Iowa out there, it, both against Louisville and Florida. You know, the committee and even new or a committee, they want competitive games between two good teams. Florida State at this point in time is not a good team. And if they were to go up against Michigan, they'd be smoked. They're going up against Georgia in January in I don't know what bowl game that is. They're gonna get smoked. And they've seen the committee seems what seen as have seen what happens when you put kind of like a fifty fifty team in there, like Cincinnati, like like um TCU, they don't want to see a blowout game. So is it about TV then, or is it about football? What is both? It's about both. They fact, I think they factored in the TV, but they also factored in the Alabama. Is it they just they beat the best team in the country in Georgia, and or you could say oh, but they you mentioned you mentioned the Auburn game. Oh, fourth and thirty-one. Need a reminder that Florida State with Jordan Travis blew a twenty-one point lead to Boston College. They almost lost to Boston College. Almost is Almost. key word there. See, that's the well, thing. Okay. That's the one thing with me, though. Like, you have a loss, and I know Alabama, yeah, probably is the better team. But winning, winning, winning games, going undefeated means that you are a better team than everyone else that you've played and whatever. And I think... Um, I think Texas getting in, um, I think since they beat Alabama, who beat Georgia. The one thing I didn't get, though, is how are they going to say Alabama's better than Florida State but put Florida State above Georgia? Nah, no, that's because Florida State, I don't – I I think I feel so bad for them. I think they should have been in just because 13-0. and 0. And also, I don't like how you have a whole month to prepare, get a new quarterback or – you know, get more reps for a quarterback. And the fact that they didn't even get the chance is what I don't really like. I don't think it's, I mean, I get four best teams. I understand why they're not there, but I also think that they should have been in. Um, and it, I mean, it just seems like when wins don't matter anymore. 
I mean, you it's all about, you know, this this team can lose, but oh, we think we think they're better so they'll be in. Like what why are we playing the games if I don't I don't get that part. It's, it's still SEC about the quality bias. of win. It's about the quality of wins. SEC the Liberty bias. is 0-1 undefeated. No one's saying get Liberty in the bowl. They're not I an know. SEC team. Uh, yeah. Neither 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 is Florida State. Florida State, the ACC had a weak year this year. Clemson wasn't very good. Um the ACC in general I think is going to fold in the next 3 years. It is extremely hard to go undefeated no matter what conference you're in. If Florida State did what it did, 13 and 0, I'm 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 pretty sure 13 and 0. Yeah. Yep. Uh ACC champions. They win whatever 16 to whatever it was against Louisville, but Jordan Travis is the quarterback and not Tate Rodemaker, or however you pronounce his last name. It wasn't even, no, it wasn't even Rodemaker against. And then even if it's the third string, the third then. String. All right, so he was out then. Yeah. Does, either way, if you put Jordan Travis in and everything, you say everything else happens the same in this scenario, but Jordan Travis is healthy, that team gets in the playoff. I don't think it's fair. They they literally they cited the injury as the reason for keeping them out. That's one player. This is a team game, and I don't think you can just assume and you can't still won. you can't just assume that the team's gonna get killed. I think they deserve a chance. They went thirteen and zero, Power Five conference champion, a Power Five undefeated. conference champion undefeated has never been left out of the playoff. Um, There's one team in the playoff that's not undefeated. Oh no, the Texas. Yeah, no, yeah. Two, two were undefeated. Yeah. yeah, so two teams. Yeah, Washington and Michigan got in was because Alabama won. That's or because they uh, beat Alabama and Alabama beat Georgia. Basically. Yeah, but I just think yes, wins matter, but undefeated conference championship of the ACC should qualify of you. The ACC. Either way, I, you won in a good conference. What's better, the SEC or the ACC? SEC. Okay. And Alabama is the SEC champ. But they, they lost the game lost. before. So they're, they're In September so they're to down. Texas. That, week two. I don't really okay, think so then it Texas matters gets when. Okay, so Texas Alabama's out. No, I'm, You're undefeated and you win a conference championship. You should automatically be in. A Power 5 conference championship. Washington and Michigan, Power 5 conference championship. Yeah. Champions undefeated. They were in. Florida State should have been in, too. If Michigan, Michigan beats Iowa... Without JJ McCarthy, or no, let's say without it would beat Iowa without, without McCarthy. Without JJ McCarthy or Blake Corum, do they still get in? I don't need. Why are we going to hypotheticals? All right, we well, I don't, I don't, this like, this whole thing is a hypothetical because they are saying that Florida State's not going to win without JT Daniels. So yeah, this whole thing JT is hypo or Daniels Jordan Travis. Jordan Travis. Travis. Sorry, yeah. JT Daniels. JT Daniels is wrong person nowadays, man. He's been around um, the block. But Jordan. <laughs> That whole that whole thing is hypothetical. They're saying yes. they wouldn't win. So it's SEC bias. Well, they're taking they're taking a gamble, and I think it'll pay off. If, the committee if, should be objective. Why is the committee uh, biased? They're not, Why they're is committee the worried about what's teams. gonna what's gonna produce our best at the four best teams. football team for Fox and CBS? Yeah, this because weekend. they know Texas and Alabama in the national championship would be one of the most like viewed games ever. It would be, and you guys would surely watch it. It's not. Yeah, I yeah, would, but it's not about that. Playoff. This has come become four a whole money teams. thing. The playoff should not be the best teams right now. It should not be. It should not be the it's very. It's about best the teams whole right entire now. season. That's why it's, it's a season recency and not bias. A November playoff. 
You, I could pull you up a I score, know, okay. uh, a college football score. Somebody blew out a good team in the last week. Should they be in the I college football playoff? No, right? right? Because more goes into it. There's more context. Undefeated conference championship that should qualify you. It qualified Michigan. It qualified Washington. Why doesn't it qualify Florida State? Because they don't have the quarterback. They don't have. They don't have the quarterback. They don't have the offense. If they, if they put up, what's their record? If they put up thirty points on on Louisville, I think they get in. But they they so they, they score two up. more touchdowns against Louisville. Yeah, I think that could have been the difference. I mean, and suddenly they get that could have been the difference. Yes, but the thing we they could have put up a hundred and they still would not have gone in. Well, I would say the they put up a hundred, they get in. If they if they what was the final score? Fifteen to six, I think. Am I right? That sounds like 15. a regular day for Iowa. Yeah, and no, and so Iowa. <laughs> Okay, well, that's because they <laughs> lost to Minnesota and lost the Big Ten Championship. But a win is a win, and they won without him. How you can't just you cannot just assume they're going to lose. They deserve a chance to play. Who's your Heisman winner? Jaden Daniels. That's a preposterous. You call okay. You call. You want to close your eyes and look at statistics? Sure, he's your Heisman winner, but it's deeper than that. Take him off the LSU team. What, what do they do? LSU is one of the top offenses. And where are they right now? But they not in the college football playoffs. I think playoff. it's got to be someone that's in the playoffs. Where's Ohio State right now? Not in the college football playoffs. So that Unless takes Marvin Harrison out as well. And where's Oregon right now? Not in the college football playoff. Bo Nix out. Michael Penix, you are the Heisman yeah, winner. Most I of the time, it is in the players who are in the playoffs. Yeah, most of the time. But unless that player has put up such ridiculous numbers and helped his team to a ranked ranked season, like, I don't know why you can just exclude him and just say, oh, because your team wasn't good, you're, you're not good. Like, the MVP LSU was is ranked 12th. Yeah, it's still a good team. It's not like they're unranked. Yeah, but it's not that good. I, I mean, how much impact did he really say, have? But, okay, well, but J.J. McCarthy's on the best team, number one team. Is he the Heisman? No, because there's more that factors into it. It's not just one stat. It's not just one characteristic. It's multiple. Yeah, multiple characteristics. such as passing yards, passing touchdowns. And he's uh, close on both close of those. Close on both of those? I don't, but not, his I team's in the playoff. Number. Yeah, because his team has a one, a good defense, pretty good receivers. But he's the standout player. I've, I've watched him play. He could have lost them those games. He, okay, Washington so. State, he's throwing these blind passes saying, Here Just you go, because receiver. you don't like the way he throws doesn't mean he's not a good player. If you player. don't like the way Tiger Woods swings, that doesn't mean he's not the greatest golfer of all time. I just think he. Ma- if you took he, LeBron James and you put him on the Detroit Pistons good. right now, he would look like the reincarnation of <laughs> Jesus Christ himself. You know what I'm saying? If you put Jaden Daniels on a different team, how does he look? It's you Probably can't just good. look at stats. If you go look at total offense, I mean, is LSU then the best team? You can't just look at one statistic. It's it's a it's a well-rounded conversation. It's not just one question. It's not just one statistic. So you think the team matters more than individual? No, I think they both matter. So, but okay, but also like John said earlier, what is the Heisman? Is it going to the most valuable player or the best player in college football? It should be the most valuable player. That's what I think too. I was playing um, number 17. I was playing number 21, Tennessee, in the Citrus Bowl on January 1st at noon on CBS in Orlando. Um, 
I was an early dog. I think it's like six and a half, seven and a half right now. Minus seven and a half for Tennessee. Yeah. I mean, they they average over 400 yards per game on offense. Um, and Iowa defense has not given up 400 yards in 27 games in a row, which is the longest streak nationally. Um, so it'll be very interesting. Um, it's more... Um, just like the Big Ten Championship, I think it's more about what Iowa does rather than what, you know, Tennessee does. Like, Iowa shot themselves in the foot in the Big Ten Championship. If they don't turn the ball over, um, stuff like that, they give themselves a chance. But, you know, I think the defense will force some turnovers here. Um, but, I mean, the offense has got to gotta do something. I'm not surprised if Iowa loses this game. At all. Yeah, In fact, kinda. I might say I'm expecting it. I'm expecting. I might be expecting them to lose this game. Yeah, no, I have not made my picks for on the line yet. But I don't know. I'm kind of might be leaning toward Tennessee. You know, the last time Iowa played Tennessee, it wasn't a good result, similar in a bowl game. I think that Big Ten championship just that crushed all momentum for Iowa. It was all good vibes and happy and fun until you get shut out by. by Iowa by has Michigan. not scored a single point against a ranked team this year. I know. Yeah, I do think Tennessee will have some opt-outs, though. Yeah, and... And Iowa really won't And it's not like they have, a, they have an Well, if you're declaring defense. for the draft, you have to opt out. I don't think no, so. I thought no. you did. No. No. Are uh, you sure? It's like a, a rule. I'm pretty confident if you declare for the draft, you can't Well, you can play. declare for your draft after the bowl game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean... That stuff's not until like March or Actually, April. I feel like you Maybe. can declare and still play. I don't I'm pretty sure you can. Well, I mean, it means I you're going pro. Not being that case, but I mean, Kevon you just declared. Didn't play last year, did he? Because well, he declared for the, for the NFL draft. Oh, well, I mean, you can just declare after the bowl game. I didn't know you could do that. You can. I mean, it's not best time. So then, why did he do that? Why wouldn't he want to play in the bowl game? Because he don't want to get hurt. Look at um, Matt Corral. I think it was Ole Miss. He got hurt in his bowl game. Kind of hurt his draft stock. You, if you, if you're gonna be a first round pick, and your bowl game doesn't matter, Come it's on, a wise well, thing. Well, wasn't a first round pick. He's a fourth round. I'm not saying here. Well, he still wants to get. Well, that's still a different round by round is a difference I mean, in a like, few hundred thousand dollars. Jack Campbell, Sam Laporta, they all played in the bowl game. Yeah, yeah you're right. They did. Okay, so. Well, I think Iowa. It just. I don't want to sound biased here, but Iowa kind of matters more to play. They, they're not a team that's a hey look let's cop out and just drop right. like Iowa I feel like that just it's not in the culture here yeah I, I agree so I think this is just a game that Iowa needs to win to close the cap off on this season and yeah put it in a brown box and put it in the attic yeah. and move forward I think that's all this is yeah anyone's okay score predictions though then <sighs> I always have to pick Iowa so okay. I'm gonna go <laughs> Seventeen to fourteen. Can I I'm gonna pick Iowa too, just because I'm a homer. But go down uh, with the ship. Yeah. Um. I'm gonna go fourteen to ten. And one of those touchdowns is defensive touchdown. The same thing. Um. Gosh, I don't want to do it. Join the dark side. I don't. I don't. 
I think both of you guys picked Tennessee, I believe. No, you might have picked Iowa. You kind of did pick Tennessee. I did pick Tennessee on They could play the Kansas City Chiefs, and I'll still pick Iowa. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Real sports journalist like of you. Um, oh, gosh, fine. Give me, give me Tennessee. Give me Tennessee 23 to 23-10. I'm sorry. Wow. Yeah, that's I. That's just disrespectful to the Iowa respectful. defense. Twenty-three to ten. Yeah. Twenty-three points. Tennessee, mm-hmm. you know, is averaging more than four hundred yards per game this season. That's better than Michigan. Should They're they not be scoring in the as much? Should they be in the playoffs? No, I, that's I did never bring that up. But, I'm just saying they got a lot of yards. I mean, it's. Not, I mean, besides Penn State, Michigan, obviously. Tennessee might be the best rare. offensive team mm-hmm. Iowa's played this season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if Iowa gives up 23 points, they're not winning the game. It's that simple. I mean, yeah, they can give up at most 14, I think, and still have a chance to win. Okay, but we were going to talk about it's. This is the last podcast before the um, end of the semester. We'll be on winter break, so we were each gonna say what our favorite things or favorite thing has been to cover this semester. I know for me, I'm. I would say Iowa football versus Wisconsin and Nebraska were both fun to cover. But I would say um, probably my favorite so far has been Iowa at Iowa State men's wrestling. Mm. It's probably the most fun just in terms of environment and like hype that went into it and also that it lived up to the hype and it's just Iowa State. So any win against them. It's pretty good. So that's probably my favorite. Oh, it's a tough question. Um, man. I mean, certainly covering football, you got to go to plenty of nice Big Ten stadiums. You know, Penn State was a great experience just being in an environment like that. You know, it's those are true. Big Ten, Big Ten championship in Indianapolis. Those are once-in-a-lifetime experiences that you might, just might not be able to get to get to experience again. I mean, I've never been to an NFL stadium for a game in that Big Ten championship. That was something else. I mean, stepping on, couldn't go onto the field, of course, but, you know, on that on the lip of the grass between the that carpet and the field, just looking around, that was truly something special. So, you know what? I'm going to have to go with that, honestly. And I got to lie in confetti, so that was pretty fun. You laid down on the confetti? Yes, after the game. Cooper and I walked down on the field. No security guards could stop us then. Just it like was just a- us. Laying in confetti, just like a true sports journalist. It all comes back. It, was, <laughs> it all comes back. What? I, was I was I wearing any memorabilia? No. But fact, were you fact, rolling it around in confetti? I was not like rolling. I was, I was lying there. I should never have mentioned that. Wee! <laughs> I was not rolling. Wasn't that nice and nope, fun for nope. you, man? You should see a Cooper I'm glad through you had a good time. Cooper through the confetti in the air. So you talked to you told him Wee! about that. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm well, sure that was a great time, yeah, wasn't yeah. it, Matt? Okay. What about you, Colin? Uh, <laughs> Cooper DeGene, Minnesota touchdown. That was called back. The best moment. The best moment. Wow. Chris, Chris, <laughs> Matt, and I were blown out of our minds. And go ahead, tell him, Matt. Well, I don't know. Collins is a little, ex- Collins a little bit excited in the press box. Now that's a little bit tell unethical. Him. Tell him. No, no, yeah. no, no. <laughs> I don't know. No, you, you tell him. Tell him what I said before. Tell, as an Iowa fan, tell them. His Iowa bias made him think that Cooper Jean was going to score, and he has oh proven right. God. So. And <laughs> did he score the touchdown initially? Initially, yes. Yes, initially. he did. But did you say initially? And I, I was correct. <laughs> okay. And I was correct. And that was very electric of a moment. It and really so I, was. It will be that. 
close second would be Wrigley Field Northwestern game. That's true. That was fun too. Yeah, I know because it's a better stadium, better nope. area, better part <laughs> of the city. Always good to get back to my my roots in Chicago. That what? Make a comment. I don't know if I can. Comment about my know. clothes too. Go ahead. Yeah, What's blue, wrong with my clothes? Blue right and black now? don't match. Alicia would know. She's blue, taught me that since day one. Blue is a dark color. She's taught me that since day one. I think black matches with really everything. I've Not heard that. I've though. heard the navy and black too, but like. It's a dark blue it's, shirt. And I think black blue, matches with everything. Blue undershirt, white a jean and black jacket, jeans, and then white and red shoes <laughs> and a blue hat. And you're <laughs> that telling was a gray me hat. I can't wear blue. It was a, you took the blue on black a, a little too close gray, to heart. Yeah, no. You might have listened to the blue on black conversation, yeah. but you didn't listen to the denim on denim on blue on blue <laughs> well, we on white and red. She never got to that before. No, she oh. didn't, but she should have had. Mrs. McGowan, if you're hearing this, when your son comes home for Christmas break, sit him down and have him a conversation with him going forward. I would rather see you in Stevenson high school <laughs> outfits than that, than a jean jacket. Someone just hates the Canadian tuxedo. I, I don't even. You know, know have you know that. the entire newsroom wore it? You missed that meeting. We did. I missed it for a reason. The, oh man, I think everyone enjoyed it, right? Patrice and Natalie, she, that was fun, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, we took a family photo. Yeah, a family photo. Yep. Were you the father in this picture, <laughs> or the grandfather rather? <laughs> You the could grandfather say so. of the gene on gene. You could say so. Right here, himself. Yeah. This episode of Pressbox Banter is hosted by Kenna Roaring, Colin Voxmeyer, and Matt McGowan, and it was produced by Natalie Dunlap. Thank you for listening.